Town Hall Academy, episode 51. You can guess and you'll adjust it. You'll, yeah. And then you can guess the next month and it gets better and better. But you can put together a, a plan on where all the dollars are going to go, what you're going to take in, and you follow the plan. And when you have that, your odds of being successful go way, way, way up. I agree 100%. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, automotive aftermarket professionals, to the Town Hall Academy, episode 51, and we're focused on first moves when opening a new shop. Carm Capriato here, your host, along with Bambi Crozier, Peter Rudloff, Tom Hamm, and Rick White. This episode is supported by Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Thanks, Jasper. Performance and reliability. Now, that's what Jasper's remanufactured diesel engines provide mile after mile. Their running complete engines are dynamometer tested with horsepower and torque ratings recorded. There's a nationwide warranty included, too. Talk about dependable service. Thanks, Jasper, for bringing these lessons to aftermarket professionals. Hey, ever consider watching the video of any of the Academy lessons? Well, we have that. It's on the website. Carve out some time on your Saturday morning as you catch up on your paperwork or even while you're enjoying that second cup of joe. Are you listening on a podcast app? Well, there is the Remarkable Results Radio app that has a great interface and works so well with your vehicle's Bluetooth connectivity. Find it at your app store. Search for Remarkable Results Radio. So you're going to start a shop, or you just opened one within a year. Well, you've come to the right place to listen to these four industry professionals share their perspective on important first moves when you open a shop. This episode may just become your favorite if you're starting out. If you're struggling to find success, well, then we've got a solid blueprint outlined for finding that success. There is some secret sauce shared here, including a few preferred methods on how to set up your spending plan, how important location is, and the demographics in that local community. We talk financial, knowing your numbers, debt, cash flow, very important parts of a CEO's responsibility. Now, I know you're a great technician who's probably unemployable, just like Pete Rudloff, and you need to start your business because you want to do things your way. But you cannot ignore marketing, the tax man, HR laws, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. This panel does a great job explaining the challenges you'll need to deal with so you can find your success sooner rather than later. It's a slow process, but it shouldn't last years. Thanks to Peter Rudloff from Pete's Garage, Bambi Crozier from Car Clinic and ASOG, Tom Ham from Autocentric and AMN, and Rick White from 180Biz. Now, if you want the cliff notes, the key talking points from this Academy lesson, go to remarkableresults.biz slash A051. You'll also find short bios on my guests and links to their previous episodes. Now, listen to First Moves when opening a new shop. So first moves when opening a new shop. I know that many of the people that are going to appreciate this episode with our guests are going to not, they're opening a shop. It's opened and they're in their, maybe their, their first trimester of whatever you'd want to call it, three years, six years, nine years in, and they may be struggling a little bit. I think the principles here are really going to be important. So what I think I'd like to do is start with the biggest reason, the why, 
And from the talking points that everyone on the panel gave me, every one of you said, hey, you got to evaluate. Why are you doing this? So let's start with Pete. And I'm going to have you all give us the why piece here, Pete. Start. Cool. Well, so you got to figure out why are you opening up a shop? Is it a monetary gain? Or in my case, it was because I wasn't employable, right? So I was too much of a hard head to work for somebody else. So I had to start my own place and do my own thing. Um, figure out, you know, does it make sense? Can you afford to open up a shop? You know, can, can you afford to put together a plan that is going to get you there in the long term? So having that written plan is really important, uh, especially in today's day and age. I think 30 years ago, you could jump in without a plan and probably be okay. But um, now, if, if you're going to do it, you got to figure out why you're doing it so you can set your goals and, and move further down the road that way. Bambi, when you and your husband started, what was your why? Well, to start with, our why was I had lost my job with AT&T and I was the only one working. So we needed to come up with something, you know, to pay for our family. So that's that's usually where we start. But as we started thinking about what do we want to do, um, we, we did some market research in the area and we realized there's no one who does what we do here with the type of skill set and the talent that Neil had, uh, we're, we're small enough that we don't have a lot of Land Rover. We don't have a Land Rover. We don't have an Audi. We don't have a jet. We don't have these dealerships locally. And he had the talent. Um, but ultimately, as we started to plan, our why was more about changing the face of automotive. We, we needed to understand uh I think it's important that you know why you're doing something because the more that you know why you're doing it, the more people are going to jump on that belief bandwagon with you. Uh, and it's going to help you avoid having to throw out promotions, having to throw out, giving away, you know, everything to get people to come to you. So behavior is influenced a lot, either through manipulation or inspiration. And for us, we wanted to inspire others by changing the face of automotive. I love what she said, guys. Uh, it was She said something that was very Greek. She said, we researched. <laughs> Don't you just have a set of tools and you just do this thing? Guilty. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but not anymore. Right. right. Well, and, and I think that goes to a credit to uh, you guys, Bambi, of how successful you've become in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So I, I was still dying and starving after you know five, six years. So I didn't know what I was doing other than I could fix cars, right? That's all I had going for me is I knew how to fix cars. Well, that that's a lot to go for. I was reading, I don't know if you guys have ever read Start With Why, but there was this really powerful section talked about um, Apple and Steve Jobs and Wozniak. And he says, you need someone who knows the, the vision, the why, and someone who knows the how. If you put me back in the shop and ask me to change a spark plug, boy, we'd be there a long time because this girl don't have the how. This one's got the vision and he's got the how. And 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 I find a lot of times shop owners when they say, I'm gonna go, you know, they're usually a really great tech and I'm gonna go just start my own business, not realizing that it takes multiple skill sets and talents to really get her going. Right. Tom, why? You know, as you're all talking, I'm trying to remember why. 
I, I, this is, you know, I always like doing things my own way in, in, instead of how other people instructed kind of what uh, Pete referred to. And it, it was 1978 and marathon dealer school had an opening in Speedway, Indiana. And I went, uh, and, and, uh, borrowed some money from my great uncle in Highland, Indiana. And, uh, away we went. And I'm, I'm not sure why it just sounded like a good idea at the time. Go have some fun. Yes. But, but you said something so interesting and you wanted to do it your way. I can't tell you how many guy Pete, you've got this classic thing. I'm unemployable. And, and, and there's a lot of um, successful shop owners that I've interviewed. That's that was their impotence. And now they regret some of the things that they didn't do on day one, which is what sure. our show is about. And and please remember something. And I thought about this this morning. So why are we doing this? We're doing it because the people who are going to replace you they got to be starting somewhere. And if we could get a little bit of a blueprint for them to say, hey, I'm unemployable, I want to do this on my own, the millennials or whatever age, young man or woman who want to join this industry, we really want them to be more successful in the earlier days than than any legacy person was. I can tell you the first thing I would would say, the strongest piece of your early recommendation I would give is to buy an established shop, whether it's a failing shop or a successful shop, doesn't matter. Buy an established facility um, would get you a pretty big jump start ahead if you're by the right one. Amen. So, Rick, what does that get you? It gets you a customer, an existing customer base. It gets you cash flow, um, and it gets you a, a something with a reputation that you can either improve on or make better. I have started a business from nothing. And I have bought a business and buying a business is a lot better to do. But you want to be careful. When I bought my business, I was working at a shell station running the garage. The, uh, the owner of the shell station had a microwave. I had a, a, a what do you call them? A pacemaker. pacemaker. And if he walked by a microwave, he'd start doing this. <laughs> so he couldn't go near cars. Um, and what happened was I would go in one day and he's like, I'm going to shut this down and make it a Dunkin' Donuts. No, I'm going to make the garage work. No, I'm just going to shut it down and sell it. So there was no stability there for me. And that's when I, I realized I'm, I'm working for a jerk. So I, what I did was I bought a shop and I went to work for a lunatic <laughs> because I had no clue to what I was doing. And, and the days, you know, a lot of times – we have technicians that are getting into their own businesses sometimes to get away from something, but without a clear direction of where they want to go. And today you have to have a clear direction of where you want to go and the why, because the why that's the fuel that's going to drive you to get there that, you know, you're going to have a plan. That's your vehicle. Your why is the fuel that's going to get you there because you're going to hit challenges, you're going to hit obstacles, you're going to you're going to get bored doing what you're doing and if your why isn't powerful enough, you're not going to have the energy to be successful. Okay, your customer's engine or transmission has failed, but now is not the time for them to trade their vehicle. Not without a working engine or transmission. Besides, would they have kept their vehicle another 3 to 5 years if their engine or transmission had not let them down? Well, if you answered yes, then Jasper Engines and Transmissions is your choice to give your customer's vehicle new life and many thousands of miles of enjoyable driving performance. 
When considering the high cost of a new or newer used vehicle, there's a pretty good case to be made for your customers to replace a drivetrain component that has failed or is delivering poor performance, rather than trading their car, truck, van, or SUV. Install a quality remanufactured Jasper product for less than your customer would have to invest in a different vehicle. Go to jasperengines.com to learn more about the money-saving value of Jasper. So, Pete, you got to create a vision of what your shop of what you want your shop to be. Yeah, you got to decide what you want your reputation to be, what type of garage you want to have, um, how you want the workflow to be, your ideal customer, client communication. You know how you're going to afford it. Um, there's so many different things that you need to do. What are you going to do for advertising? Are you going to go in with a partnership? You know, uh, are you going to be the the local fix it shop? Or are you going to concentrate on maintenance? You know, do you want your cars that are coming into your bays? to be cars that are less than 100,000 miles on them? Or do you want cars with 250,000 miles on them? Um, There's so many different ways to run a successful auto shop. You got to decide which one that you want to be that way because you can't, you can't do all of them, right? You you can't be the everything to everybody. You got, you got to figure that out and figure out what you want to be. That way you can focus on that and do just that. You know, Rick, I guess you got to be willing to give up something. Absolutely you do because you, you're not going to be able to keep doing what you've been doing and then take on a shop, right? It's like having a second family. You've got to understand, I'm, I, I, for me to be successful, look, I love the psychology of success. To be successful, I need to be hungry. I need to have the energy to do the stuff and I need to be resourceful. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to say no to you. And you got to just understand that that's their no, not yours. You just got to find someone else. You know, people say, I don't have enough money or I don't have enough cars or I don't have enough customers. And that's a lack, what they call a lack of resources, but it's really not. It's a lack of resourcefulness. What are, what could you be doing differently to get more cars, to get more customers, to get, to get the help that you want? I mean, let's face it. Everybody here, I'm sure will agree Getting help now is a lot different than it was even five years ago. You've got to get crazy creative to get people to get you, to, you know, to, to come to work with you today. And it, it's just a matter of resourcefulness. I, you know, I have a shop in a, in a, in a city of 100, you know, 100,000 people say there's no good techs. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's a terrible story. So you've got to be able to give something up. You've got to, you've got to be creative. You've got to work hard. I mean, how many of us have spent the whole night at a shop working on a car at some point? I have. Just to make sure it got done. Yep. No yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> haven't done that in a long time, mind you. Oh, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, with, with anybody opening a business, auto repair shop fits in there, too. It's the independence factor. It's almost you know the American phenomenon of, of, of everybody wants to do things their own way. Uh, you know, and ultimately that's running your own business, calling your own shots. And the, the, the good news is when you own your own business, uh, you call your own shots and nobody tells you what to do. And the bad news is you call your own shots and nobody tells you what, to, what do. to do. Exactly. So uh, you're stuck with it all. There is nobody to pass the bag to. You're holding it. But uh, but there's something great about it. And, and that's that's why there's businesses out there that aren't particularly profitable and the guys don't go on a lot of vacations. But at the end of the day, they do it their way and nobody else's. And that's the number that's one goal they have. And they satisfy right. the goal. And sometimes that gets in the way of success. 
Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. We will talk about that. Okay. It depends on how you define success too, Carm. I mean, because I'm not knocking somebody if they're happy and content and they're they're accomplishing their goals. Yes. That that's a success. Yes. Success is individual. Yeah, absolutely right. And I've I've seen an awful guy, a lot of guys complaining about their lack of success because they really wanted more from what they currently have. And they also realize it's it's so much more competitive to compete out there for the talent and the customer. But you know, Carm, one of the things is they're not happy with what they got. But when you sit down and you ask them what they want, they don't, they know. don't know. Right. It's so it's so hard when you they most of us are trying to drive a car staring at the rearview mirror. We're driving away from something. We're trying to get away from something driving forward. And it's an accident waiting to happen. We've got to know where we're going. We've got to know what we want. What does success look like? That doesn't mean a $10 million shop to one guy. It could be, you know, hey, I want to do this or this. So it's all different. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. Let us get into a couple of brass tacks. For example, location. Tom, is that important? Yeah, that's right at the top of the list. And it's one of the really undervalued things. It's very difficult to explain to people. And people have heard it, you know, the three most important things are location, location, location. Yeah, I've heard that, et cetera. But you just cannot emphasize that enough. The, The phrase that I often use is you are far better off in a rundown two-bay service, old service station on a great intersection in town than a brand-new eight-bay facility in an industrial complex. I'll guarantee you, you're better off in the gas station. It, it just it, it makes marketing so much easier. It just makes your life so much easier instead of having to constantly fight and getting people to notice you because it's a battle that will never end when you're stuck back there in the industrial complex. I, I, and I'm imagining you're all agreeing with that. Oh, yeah. Well, not only that, but demographics. Yes. Right? You you know, I, I had one shop call me up and they said, hey, we're having a problem. We were in the demographics and the average income was 20000 a year. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, these people can't afford a bus pass. What are you doing there? <laughs> And that, that lends exactly into what Tom is saying. I think if you studied what location meant, it does mean you've got to do the research as to who's living in that five to 10 mile right. radius and right. can they I, afford I think that's key. Right. And can they afford me, uh, me? Right. No matter what your rate's going to be, can they afford me? You know, to get into some of the shameless uh, uh, promotion or whatever, automotive management network, one of the documents we have on there is a a document to find a location and it has a scoring system and it goes through about 20, 30 different uh, features of a great location and you can score them and rate them and do research with the County and all this kind of stuff. And you can, and we've done that. We did that when we moved and it's really strange because you'll look at three, four different locations and the one that you think emotionally is the best does not score the best. And we ended up changing to not the one that we thought we wanted. We, to a different one because it scored significantly better. Well, you know, thank you for the resources that are on the Automotive Management Network. Tom's got one heck of a site, 12,000 members, so, so much there. And I love your surveys. Love your surveys. Financial, it's not important, is it? <laughs> you do. <laughs> you got to take care of it, I, just, I have my toolbox. I, I found a decent place. I'm in business. So, so rule number one is you never have enough money. That's just rule number one for, for running an auto repair shop is you never have enough money. Um, you got to make sure that you invest carefully. You know, don't, don't, you know, just 
Go out and buy a $40,000 aligner because you got approved for it. Make sure that you know it's going to make you the money that makes sense for you. Um, you know, money. You got to make as much money as you can, Carm. I, I can't overstate that enough. Okay, let's talk about money. Uh, a lot of times uh, we'll, you'll, you'll go to a, a business seminar and they'll say you need to have so many months of cash. So I, I don't think having 20 or 30 grand in the bank is enough. I think you, know, you need to have a significant amount of money sitting in the bank for if something goes wrong. You mean um, you I know, just can't make it every day and put it away? And a, and a lot of shops do that. A lot, a lot of shops, you know, running week to week or day to day. Or, you know, I heard a story not too terribly long ago about a guy that was uh, another auto repair shop was at an auto repair shop and he couldn't pay for his sublet alignment. Right. Oh, yeah. And um, so that, that's a guy that obviously has you know financial issues he needs to work on. Um, that's not a good that's not a good position to be in from a mental health standpoint. That was uh, an academy that we did, I think, four or five weeks ago, struggling, struggling shops. It came, uh, Frank uh, Lutz mentioned it. And, and, and that, those are warning signs, Tom. The more cash you have, the better. I mean, you know, kind of state the obvious. But if somebody's, if somebody has their head on straight and they put a good plan together and they're really committed to it, uh, they can start pretty skinny. They just have to right. be very careful. The, the, the biggest key is a plan, what you would call right. a spending plan. Uh, instead of using the term budget, I like spending plan, one of those Dave Ramsey things. Because every, every dollar that you take in, you're going to spend. You may spend it on yourself. You may spend it on an a IRA, but you're going to spend it on something. And you can put together, some people say, well, how can I project how much I'm going to take in, et cetera, et cetera. You can guess. You can guess and you'll adjust it. You'll, yeah. And then you can guess the next month and it gets better and better. But you can put together a, a plan on where all the dollars are going to go, what you're going to take in, and you follow the plan. And when you have that, your odds of being successful go way, way, way up. I agree 100%. This is one of the most important tools anyone can have, in my opinion. You've, you you got to be able to write it down, do some math. I love what you said, Tom, spending plan versus budgeting. Um, you have to worry about a debt plan too, right, Tom? Oh, yeah. Debt is, uh, you know, I'm showing my Dave Ramsey stuff here, the people that know me from 20 years ago on IATN. I still get emails from shop owners that say, you know, I used to argue with you back then, and then I did it, and pretty cool it works. <laughs> and that's just getting rid of all the debt and starting out with as little as possible Whatever debt you do have, make a plan to pay it off aggressively. But debt is the number one killer of businesses. Large, small, and everything else, debt kills them. And whether it's a small repair shop or it's General Motors, who the government has to come in and save, debt is what right. kills them. Right. And for the for those that are starting out, I love what you said. It doesn't take a lot of money to start out. Most most technicians, the biggest expense they have is the tools that they already own to get started. Um, but I, I find and even listening and talking with other shop owners is they don't under they don't even a lot of them don't know what a PL is, a lot of them don't know what QuickBooks are. And and that was my second thing is a PL and QuickBooks. Uh, you've got to know what's coming in, you've got to know what's going out. As soon as you put a sign up, people think that you're the wealthiest thing alive and they're calling. And uh, you need to buy this and you need to advertise here in these posters and and this school and this and that and this and the police association. It's crazy. So you're exactly right. If you don't have a debt plan, if you don't, if you don't have that, it's, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, it's amazing. Five little $20 uh, gifts to someone because you're the new dog on the street is 100 bucks, and 10 of those in a row, you can't meet payroll. Yeah, oh, absolutely. 
The P&L is really important to understand, but it's even more important to understand cash flow. It's you got to understand that you're not, you don't make money. You manage money in a business. You're there on a valve and you're turning that valve open and closed to keep cash flow king because that's what's going to keep the company alive. What I've recommended to a number of people that the, the accounting statements, the QuickBooks, the accountants, the P&L, that whole thing, it just glazes a lot of people over. And, they, and then they can spend several hours, have somebody explain it to them. And at the end of it, they go, I have no idea. what I'm And what we started doing on our own, uh, because that, that's myself to some extent, what I tell people to do, create your own P&L. It's not an official one. It's not going to have any official purpose, but it's just your, that, that sheet of paper that, that Carm held up, money coming in. Money going out where I understand plus and minus and I understand basic third grade math and I can see money going in and money going out. It's not rocket science and I'm not going to worry about depreciation and all that stuff. Somebody else will worry about that. But uh, That really helps on a, a weekly month to month basis if you can just see the simplicity of just simple math. So I, I looked at my budget. I'm sitting here figuring out uh, what, what I need on day one to open my shop and accountant or bookkeeper wasn't in the plan. It was one of the ones I knocked out because I really want to do this. And I love what you just said, Tom. Don't dismiss the extreme value in at least some form of plus side, minus side. You know, I got 5,000 coming in and I got 5,500 I'm going to spend. I have a $500 problem. And you can do that on the sheet of paper you brought up. Whereas on, on a P&L, it's not that easy to see. No, you unless, you, unless you understand them and so on. Right. So uh, you start out simple and, and kind of learn it as you go. I know one thing. This industry doesn't lack for mentors. Get one. Definitely. <laughs> Don't get just one. Get two. So <laughs> you, 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 need, you need more than one mentor um, in this trade. And overall, we're a trade that's pretty good about uh, helping, saying, hey, you know, we're willing to you know, give you some information. We're willing to share so it's not too hard to find a mentor, uh, find a couple of them. And then when you're in a position where you know enough, then be a mentor to somebody else and help somebody else as they launch their career and their shop and their dream. So here I am starting out. I have a little bundle of cash, a passion and a vision to do this. I found a location and I just don't know what's around the next corner. The mentor is really, really going to be. A, almost a savior in the beginning. And, as, and I love what you said, Pete. You know, one person will give you their passion, their perspective. Find a few. Uh, right. Bambi, right off of uh, your your Facebook, you know, shop owners group, I guarantee you there's mentors willing to help as, as I've actually seen it happen. Absolutely. And training, you, you need two types of training. What, I, what I've learned is you need your business training. So you're going into business, but also... A lot of these guys I, I see do not invest in training for the technician side too. So you need two types of training. It's really quick with how fast our, our cars are changing and computer technology changes. If we don't keep up on the technical side as well as running the business side, it's, it's a danger. So training is definitely my third thing too. Well, you, what you will see is, is with, with shop owners, especially the, the more successful ones been around for a while, you get the same story over and over again. And the the thing that saved the shop or the thing that took the shop from just kind of uh, dribbling along to massively successful 
is almost always I got involved with a coach. I got involved with a consultant. I got involved with Rick. I got involved with a peer group. Peer group is one of my favorite things. And peer groups can be done on, on, a, on a massively expensive scale where you're spending, you know, five figures a year. Or you, a peer group can be uh, 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 half a dozen shops in the five counties around yourself. But the, the peer groups, uh, I, I really love the peer groups because you get the different perspective and you come across an issue and you say, what am I going to do? And you got four or five people telling you, well, here's what I do. And, and it's just invaluable to have that regular meeting of those guys to, uh, um, you know, to, to know what to do and hear what they're doing and the struggles and so on and so forth. Carm, I'd add that once you do get yourself some mentors, remember, you don't need to do every single thing they say, right? So you need to take the philosophies and experiences they've had and, and and blend them into what works for you and what your philosophy is and to how you see your vision of being successful. I mean, any good mentor doesn't expect you to follow to the letter what they say. They, they want to share their experience and say, here's what worked for me. Maybe something along this lines of work for you. So, so you don't, don't feel like you got to be painted into, I have to do it their way. Um, we're, we're a highly independent field, right? Auto repair shop owners were incredibly independent, if nothing else. And so it's, it's important that we keep our own brand and our own way of doing things to some degree, but um, enhance it through, through a mentor. You said it, Pete. You said independence. We're very independent. Sometimes we're stubborn. Sometimes our <laughs> pride gets in the way. So we won't ask for help because, you know, typical technicians, they don't ask for help. I, I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. And sooner or later, they're gone. They're out. I mean, especially, uh, you know, the money they've spent and lost on a business. So I guess the encouraging word here from the, you know, you, successful people is um, put the pride. If you're, going, if you're going to make a big step, raise your hand and say, oh, by the way, I also need a ton of help. Sure. Right. And, and it's it's all about making everybody better together. Um, I think some shop owners and, and probably other businesses as well, not just auto shops, but are afraid to, to share because they don't want people to find out, oh, this guy doesn't know something. Or they're afraid that I may say something and help my quote unquote competition. And uh, I think it's important to remember that in our trade, there really isn't such thing as competition. Um, you know, me, me and me and Tom could park shops right across the street from one another. And I can pretty much guarantee you that we're not going to share clients because we, we both have our own flavor and our own way of doing things. And I need like 0.00001% of the population in my area to come to my shop to be successful. So that leaves 99.000009 or whatever percent of the rest of the population for everybody else. So... Yeah, one, one thing that I learned at one time on the on the competition, somebody pointed out to me, and it really helped understand that, is the, the competition is not the other shops around you. Mm. The competition is the customer. And what I mean by that is it's, it's not a, a finite pie that we're trying to get on how good we are determines whether a customer gets the transmission service or doesn't get the transmission service. So the competition is getting them to actually do all the things that they should do. And there's, there's massively more potential out there than we could, than our capacity even has. Rick, I need to ask you this question. Um, we, We talk about this a lot. What Pete just brought up, there's no competition. Mm -hmm. These guys, it's BS. I hear this all the time on Carm's show from everybody he has on. There's, you know, we don't have, 
we shouldn't be competing with each other. We've we've done shows on this. And I also learned many years ago that many of the many many of people's problems are not the outside world that they blame. It's really the inside world. Right. Do you agree with that? I agree 100%. And I wanted to say something to Pete um, about a mentor. Be careful who you pick. Just because they've been in the industry a long time doesn't qualify them as a mentor. You want to make sure that they have the right mindset, that they're positive thinking, that they have what you want. You want to model what they're doing so that you can get where they got faster. That's a really good point. It's really, it's really important. You know, longevity is not a qualifier for a mentor. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think what you're saying is that there's got to be a personality match. You've got to like the person, and you, you've got to admire what they've done and figure you can get a piece of that. Well, it helps. But what I'm talking about is if I have a guy down the street that's been there 30 years, but he thinks the industry is horrible, he wishes he never did it, <laughs> you know, I don't think I want to spend a lot of time with that guy. I would say right. that's a warning sign. Absolutely you know? right. So that's what I mean by that. Your mentor should align with your why. Their their why should be similar to yours because then you're going to want to implement a lot of what they say. So when you're when you're interviewing or talking with potential coaches, you need to be asking specific questions to make sure. And I love that document that Dutch you know provided, but you need to make sure that that their foundation is is similar. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself butting heads, and it's not going to work. Well, and I can tell you as a coach, you know when a lot of times you have a butting heads with a client is when you don't understand what their definition of success is. Because then I'm tr- I'm coaching them on what my definition is and that's I'm doomed to fail every right. time. Okay, so what would you so you you see there there's a conflict. How, how do you help resolve it? What questions do you ask of your client to help define success? Well, we ask them, you know, one of the first questions I ask is I ask them, "Hey, when you started your business, what was your dream?" What did it look like? And they usually don't know. In fact, it's really important. And this is why the destination is so important. I had one shop I was talking to. He didn't have a goal. And I finally, after multiple times asking, been in business four years, he said, my goal was to pay my bills. And here he is four years later. And the only people happy with his business were his vendors. He hated the business. He wasn't making any money. He wasn't having fun. And let's face it, we can have fun at work. Absolutely. Right? That's what it's all about. Heck, I'm with the people at work more than I am with my family. I got to make sure it's a fun environment. I've got to make sure, you know, everything's going on. You know, success is 85% psychological. It's in six inches of real estate, seven for some of us. But it's really right there. And I love the psychology. That's why I spend so much time on it is because if it's not right up here, it's not going to be right out here. I've got to create what I want in here first and then work to make it real out here. I've got to create the blueprint. So here I am. I opened my place. This is cool. Took the big step, signed the the long-term lease. Oh, God, I need customers. It was on my plan. Did I have to identify who they're going to be and how I'm going to get them? Yes. Yes. Because so many shops out there attack marketing with a shotgun. It's say and spray. And they hope they get somebody. What you want is to know who your ideal customer is. Because then when you're marketing, you're using a sniper rifle. It's a lot less expensive and a lot more focused. It really works better. Now, a lot of times, you know, you have 
you know, the mentality is still, I'm going to open a shop. I'm going to put a shingle out there. I'm going to plug a phone in, and then I'm going to sit here and wait for the phone to ring or somebody to walk in. And, and friends, those days are long gone. Now, if you don't have a lot of money in the beginning, you're going to need to develop times where you can have FaceTime with people. You've got to get people to know, like, and trust you. And that's the whole idea behind Facebook and social media is to build credibility and show the competency and caring. That's what you want to grow because that's, those are the components and the ingredients of trust. You can come back full circle a little bit to the location thing that we talked about earlier. I remember talking with a guy somewhere in the middle of the country one time and uh, we were just, uh, he called me to ask about some numbers, so on and so forth. And uh, one of the number we, n- numbers we talked about was his, his advertise, his marketing budget. And I said, well, how much is it? And he looked up and said, well, it's about half of 1% of sales. <laughs> I said, well, where is your shop? It's at the main intersection of Main Street and whatever in the middle of town. And I got all the cars I want. And there, there was location right there. His marketing was the shop. Uh, at that point, he just had to make the facility look like, uh, it, so it would attract his target customer, which he did. It was an import shop. And he just parked all the imports right along Main Street there. And his marketing was almost zero. It was just right. just amazing. And, and that's how location, I just want to emphasize, that's how important location can be. Do not overlook location. Don't look at the facility. Look at where it is. Right. One of the things, Tom, I recommend when I'm, I'm talking to a shop and determining a, an advertising budget is 8 to 10% of sales less rent. Because a portion of the rent, depending upon where you are, can be considered marketing. You know, if I'm in a cul-de-sac and there's nobody driving by, my rent is dirt cheap, but it's because I don't have the exposure. So my advertising is going to go up. Now, if I'm on Main Street, I'm going to be paying a higher rate for that rent, but it's going to be because of the foot traffic, the exposure. I take eight to 10% of sales, subtract my rent, and that's what I spend on advertising. Absolutely. Yeah. You can really raise the rent figure if you're not going to spend on marketing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a great, great way to do it. So Bambi, when... Uh when you opened, what was your attack on getting customers? Well, the first thing we did is we did. We parked the right kind of cars that we wanted. Neil joined a group uh, it's called British Iron, and it's local here uh, because he's British, and they have European cars, and they value that kind of thing. And when we first opened, they all brought their British cars and set them out. We had a big open house. So uh, that brought a lot of attention. You know, we had Rolls Royce and Triumphs and MGs. We had some really old. We had some really new. We had Land Rovers and Jags. And it people got to know us simply from that. And we would do those every, I don't know, every few months. We would, you know, have that type of a meet. And it was really helpful. Love it. Great idea. Yeah, Neil's, Neil's from England. Yes. Yes. Got to listen to Bambi's episode. She talks about that interesting language barrier. It was, it's just so cool. I, I just love it. Peter, yes, customers, how, how are you going to go out and attack and get some, get some customers in your new place? So I, I think it depends on, did you buy an existing shop, like location, like what Tom said too. Um, if you, if you bought an existing location, you should have a customer base to start with. Um, if you, if you're like me and you bootstrapped it from day one, you know, every customer was a fight to get early on. And then, uh, and then, and then really all my customers that I have now came from existing customers. I don't, I don't do any advertising. Um, all of my advertising now since like 2011 is just doing really good work. And then asking my clients, hey, if you had somebody send them my way, and that, and that keeps us you know, booked out a week and a half, two weeks out. 
I don't think that's a viable way to start. If you're you know, starting from zero at a shop, I think you need to, you need to advertise, you need to start bringing bodies in. Um, even, even bringing the wrong kind of client in initially is okay. If you're just getting off the ground and just getting started, cause you need that cash flow. You need to, you need to be you know, bringing some money through the shop. Um, you need to learn how to take the clients who aren't your ideal clients and figure out who they know that are your ideal clients. Right. And then she so kind of ladder up and, and, and work to a better, better overall client base. And, uh, I think eventually you get to a point, I know at least for my shop, we've gotten a point where we, we don't advertise and we're not on main street. You, know, you can't find my shop unless you have a very detailed map. So, and even then you might be right next to our shop and not know it. <laughs> yeah. On the, uh, we, the marketing and, and location, so on and so forth. Another option, it's, it's the way that I started. And uh, when I get together with a, a bunch of guys around my generation, I'll find out that half of them started this way too. Where we started with service stations. And that's changed a lot from what it was back in the late 70s and so on. But there's still areas of the country where the full service station still exists. And if you're thinking of starting a shop, don't write that off as, oh, I don't want to get involved in the gas station. Uh, you you got to keep in mind, there's, there's a whole bunch of people are going to drive right up to your door every day. Right. And you can interact with those people and talk about a marketing opportunity. So it is a possibility. It's something to look at. You will learn about cash flow very quickly, though, You because you know, gasoline's expensive and you go through it real fast. So, But uh, great opportunity in some areas to start with a service station. And, and some guys have had service stations many years and they're very profitable. Anybody ever just walk in one day and say, hey, what do you do here? I've had more than a couple of people that have walked into my shop looking for other places and go, I didn't even know there was an auto shop here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, is that a warning sign? (laughs) Maybe. I I just tell them we're Delaware's best kept secret. (laughs) The the reality is people have a herd mentality. I remember one time I had a, a, a person call up with a check engine light issue and and I got him, I, got, I asked him all the questions. We got an appointment set and he goes, okay, where are you? And the name of the shop was Tremont Street Garage. And he says, I'm guessing you're on Tremont Street. And I said, yes. I said, good guess. I said, I'm between the fire station and the car wash. And he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed and I said, look, you're coming down this way here. Go by the fire station, pull in the next driveway. And unless we have a Wizard of Oz win tonight, I promise we'll be here tomorrow. And he came in the next day laughing and smiling and, and apologizing. He says, I never saw you here. Now, keep in mind, we changed our signs twice, painted the building once, added flower gardens, and he never saw us. So, I mean... You know, the reality is, you know, I I say that people, a a business owner has four primary responsibilities to his business. The first is he has to create and protect his brand. It's how people, how it feels to do business with you. And you've got to get it so that no matter who the customer deals with, it feels the same way all the time. The second you have to do is you got to generate awareness of your business. See, to the business owner, your business is your life. But to everybody else, I guarantee you, they don't know about you. You've got to generate massive awareness. The third thing, to Bambi's point, you've got to grow your staff. It's got to be a core. It's core to your success is growing your staff. You know, I had a shop owner once go, I don't want to train him. He'll leave. And I said, what happens if he stays? Right? So, and then the last thing is the shop owner's got to set the pace of the business. And pace is an acronym. It stands for purpose and passion. 
It stands for activity and attitude. It stands for commitment and caring and expectation and energy. Those are the jobs of a business owner. Hey, um, if anyone wants any more energy from Rick, um, go to the site, type in Rick White, and listen to his episode because um, you, if because you if you need another dose or a continuing dose, it was really a, a well well done episode, Rick. Thank you and thanks for coming on all the academies. Oh, my pleasure. Name of the shop you you mentioned Tre- Tremont Street. Tremont Street. Tremont w- was that a good name? It was a great name. Now, it was funny because originally the name was Rick White's Tremont Street Garage. And I took, when I incorporated, I started out as a DBA. And when I went to incorporate, I actually took my name off of the shop. And I, I just felt like when I go to sell it, I didn't want my name on it. And I, I felt like it made it more saleable. Okay. Pete, what's the name of yours? Pete's Garage, man. Love it, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I didn't put a whole lot of thought or time into it. When I started my business, I was working full-time as a technician. And uh, the local auto parts chain that I was dealing with, they said, oh, we're going to start you an account, Pete, because you're doing enough volume with us. And so they started an account, and they in the account, they put Pete's Garage. And uh, so then when it came time for me to you know do all my tax paperwork and stuff like that, my accountant informed me, oh, well, you need to... You, know, you need to incorporate and all this other stuff. So was, what do you want to call the name? I was like, well, Pete's Garage works. So we became Pete's Garage Incorporated. So really super complicated, right? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I love it. The, the, the purest sense of who does it and what you do. Right. <laughs> and we actually, we actually do get quite a few new clients that show up and they go, well, I just felt that it seemed like it was a, a shop that I'd be able to come and talk to the owner and, and that sort of thing. So we do get some of that, but I, I think for us, the name has been you know, not as important. I've looked at changing it more than a couple of times. I think uh, certainly from a saleability standpoint, I think that it's not a strong name. Let's uh, bring up continuing education. Yeah. Education is important. You're, you're going to, and there's a whole lot of ways to educate between getting coaches, going to classes, um, you know, through mistakes, you know, you're going to screw up. You know, when, when you do screw up, you know, use that to learn from. Um, so, yeah, it, education is really, really key. You got to learn how the business works. You got to keep yourself up to speed on the technical side of things, or at least keep your people up to speed on the technical side of things that, uh, that need to. So, yeah, there's some of the, the, the fundamentals, uh, key numbers. Uh, I think we, Rick, we talked about these a while back, I believe. And there, there's, it doesn't really have to be a long list. There, there's a relatively short list of, of key numbers that if you learn them and you stick with them and stay within some decent ranges, you'll probably be okay. But you got to take them seriously. You got to learn what they are. You got to track them on a constant basis and just know what they are. And, and that's, that's what you'll see with the really successful shops is they hit the numbers, hit the numbers, hit the numbers constantly. Right. And they're, they're watching the trends and they're moving them back and forth, so on and so forth. So, uh, and I'd, I'd add that just being a really great employee is not going to be enough education. You can't just rely on, well, I was a rock star technician or I was a rock star service manager <laughs> at the place I worked at. You can't rely on just that. You need, to, you need to have more than that. You need to be able to put in more time and continue learning as you go. I mean, you, you're not going to, you, you need to just kind of have a philosophy. I'm not going to stop learning until I'm dead. Well, it's a good point. You bring it up on the expertise, and that, that's something really worth uh, uh, at least taking a minute to look at when somebody's starting out because the typical technician, and, you know, if, if I build it, they will come. No, they won't. What, what people don't understand 
is that anybody that puts a, a shingle out that says auto repair, the consumer assumes they're good. Otherwise, sure. they wouldn't be there. And, and what uh, people often get it reversed. They think, well, if I'm the best mechanic in town, I'll be the most successful. Boy, is that a myth. The, the reality is just in general, taking some of the top ones, what, what people will go to, first of all, is location. Second is the facility. Third is the service and personnel. And fourth is how good you fix the cars. Now, I'm not saying you should be bad at fixing cars, but you got to put it in perspective. That comes way behind a bunch of other stuff. And a lot of people, when they go into business, they have that all twisted around. And that's one of the reasons they fail. Well, and the other thing, too, is that tech that's the superstar, Pete, right? Like you said, he's going to go there. And who is he going to model running the business? Right. Um, that would be the boss. And, you know, then it's a hope and a prayer that the guy had an idea of what he was doing, which... Honestly, not many do. I mean, there's a lot that don't. <laughs> right. You know, and, and if we're into this, I think one of the other things that I would really caution people on is number. Well, first, know your number. Know your number. If you if you if you add your expenses to what you need a month, along with a, a, a little cushion to begin with, and then divide that by your gross profit, it's going to give you a break even for the month. Now break it down by the day and even the hour. And that's your number every day. And please, please, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're going to start a business, don't go in there thinking, I'll just undercut all the competition. Because guess what? You know, you might make a couple of bucks on the repair, but what if it comes back? You know, I had a shop recently just call me up. They had a problem with a car. The guy had it fixed. It broke down in Ohio. This shop's in New York. And uh, he ended up writing a check for a thousand dollar rental bill. And he was not happy about that. He didn't have the cash flow. He didn't have the look at you need to build that stuff in. Know the value you bring to your customers from the get go so that you can charge an appropriate amount and be fair. I'm so glad you brought that up, that key in the door number. Yes. Because there aren't enough people that when they put their key in the door, they know what they need to make to break right. even today. Now, yeah, we've done so many episodes coaching and the numbers and spreadsheets. You know, if you're just starting, it's probably not in, in the cards. But that simple equation, I, th I appreciate you bringing that up. And, and, and also, you know, we were talking training. And it's so important, technician training, service advisor training, and who knows at what level you're going to be able to hire or have additional people, but CEO training. And, and I love to call owners CEOs today because we have to, we're the new profession. We're, we're just not a trade anymore. You know, a quote from Bob Greenwood. And, and I love the fact that we're here talking about um, teaching people how to, how to run a better business. And, um, and thank you for all that. Um, hit the wall, Pete. It's going to happen. Really? So, yeah, it happens to, I think, to everybody. You're going to hit a wall at some point in time. You're going to think that, oh, my God, this is horrible. You know, you've made some horrible mistake or you know, a, a car got crashed or you know, one of your employees set a car on fire or the, the numbers aren't good enough. How are we going to pay rent this month? There, there's going to be a rough period of time that happens. Um, and, and, and it's probably going to happen more than once. There's going to be ups and downs as, as you go through. You got to mentally be prepared for that wall when it gets there so that it doesn't break you because the wall is you know, surmountable. You can get over it. You can get past it. You can move on and be really successful. Um, 
usually what happens for me when, when you know, the last time I hit a wall is I wasn't paying close enough attention, right? So I didn't have my hand on the tiller well enough and you know, didn't, didn't account for things. And you know, the market changed before I was ready for it. And you know, I, I didn't expect it. And you caught me off guard and I had to work through it, right? So when you do hit the wall, you, you, you just got to not give up, I guess. You have to you know, sit down and figure it through, put together a plan, you know, get your goals in order, um, that, that was the other thing for me then when, when I hit a wall was, you know, my goals, I had, I had goals laid out that were contrary to each other and you can't, you can't have goals that are contrary to each other. You got to lay them out in a way that, you know, this, this is my goals, my goals, my, my short-term goals help my midterm goals. My midterm goals are working towards my long-term goals. And you, know, you got to make sure you keep that accountability to yourself. Anybody else on hit the wall? It is going to happen. In fact, there's a great, I don't know if any of you have ever watched it on YouTube. You can see it. Have you ever heard of Randy Pausch? He was a oh, yeah. uh, Carnegie Mellon in, uh, professor, and he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he has a video called um, The Last Lecture. And he talks about the wall. Everybody hits a wall. And the wall's not there to stop us. It's there to test us. You know, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to believe in what you're doing. You've got to believe in why you're doing it. And you got to believe in the value that you're bringing, that, that the, what you're providing for your service. You know, I have clients, and I've talked about this. I, I believe that what we do is a ministry to our community. It's something that can be that. It can be a crusade. For Bambi, I know for you, you are so hopped up on making the industry better. And I think it's amazing what you're doing, but it's a crusade for you. And, and when we have a crusade, people can feel that. But you've got to believe in yourself and what you're doing. That will get you through the wall. I love when I hear the word value yourself. That's, that's critical. Hey, thank you all. There's a question that came in. You know, we, we don't take questions off of Facebook. There's just too much tech going on in here to pull off this great episode. But uh, someone who is on the Zoom platform, Barry Barrett, good friend, are mentors supposed to tell you what to do or ask you great questions to guide you, what you say, panel? I say I say a good mentor shares experience, not necessarily tells you you need to do this. I think it's more about sharing their experience, saying, "Hey, here, here's what I've done, here's what I've seen, here's what people I know have experienced," and then they help you figure out how to relate that to your situation. Um, I mean, ultimately, the decision has to be yours. You, you have to decide this is how I'm going to do it because you're writing the checks. You're the one that's accountable if the check bounces. So you need to be good with it. That's what you're going to do. I think, I think a coach has to ask amazing questions because everybody knows what to do. They just, you got to tap them into it and help them overcome the fear, right? It's really, it's about giving them the confidence that they can do it. You know, I've got to raise my labor rate, but I can't. Yeah, you can. Let's talk about that. Why don't you think you can? And, and then just go through it. So I think asking questions and helping people guide them through a process of self-discovery is much more valuable than me dictating something to somebody. Right. Exactly. And there's greater buy-in when, you know, when you lead someone to the water, you know, it's give them the fish or teach them how to fish. It's the same right. thing. Uh, I don't do well when someone tells me, go do this because I'm a why girl, right? <laughs> I need to understand before I'm, I just don't do what I'm told. Um, 
it's a real problem for my husband. Y'all need to call him. He needs some help. <laughs> but uh, definitely a, a mentor should be asking great questions. And those questions should be leading you where you need to go for resolution. One final thought I had about networking. And, you know, I talk about it all the time. You know, for many of the the people that do not get out and go to the likes of Vision and Apex and and the big shows in the regional groups or participate in ASA and go to those meetings, um, they're missing out on on a wonderful opportunity. It's not about the meeting. It's about the networking, right? And there's so much to learn, so many people to meet. It may not happen in the first month you're in business, but I think, would you agree that a goal of any new business, even a current business, an established business is, I got to be networking? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. There's three levels of relationship, right? The first level of relationship is it's all about me. What can I get? Okay. Then the second level of relationship is horse trading. I will trade you if you give me this. It's about exchange. The third and highest level is, you know something, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to shower you with value, and whatever happens, happens. It doesn't make a difference. And it's funny, if you think about it, when we start out in our businesses, we start out at this level one, and then we go to level two, and then when we get really successful, it's when we decide, you know something, I'm going to be fun, I'm going to be good, I'm going to do everything I possibly can, I don't care about the money, the money's going to come. And that's, that's where you want to be shooting for. But that's really interesting that you bring that up because that's one of the points that they talk about a lot. One of my favorite books is uh, The Midas Touch by uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and our current president of the United States. And he talks especially, they talk especially about, you said the third one, you go on out and give and it will come back. And you'd be surprised. It's a fantastic book for anybody to read, whether you like them or not. And you, you'll learn a ton of stuff out of that book. Okay, team. So here's the here's the plan. We're gonna go around the room. Here's Carm. I want to start a shop. Carm, I'm gonna jump back a little bit if I can for just a second because Please. we skipped over it, and I was I was talking too much, so I wanted to keep my mouth shut. But we 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 just skipped over the naming thing. There's uh, for one, there's a series of books out there. Started out with a book called Selling the Invisible by Harry Beckwith. I love that book. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And there's and there's about six more that follow after you yes. go, in, go in order and, and you read it. And, and, you you know, it's one of those you'll sit down to read. And you'll find out it's four in the morning. I still read it. It's, it's just so much fun. To read. By the way, I want you to keep going on that. But I have to tell everyone that that book changed my life about 20 years ago. Yep. And I, I, and I was struggling with something internally. I sold my business, went to work at the next level, went to work for the company I sold my business to. And uh, that book, a ch- one chapter, short little tiny chapter, and that book set me on the right course. And maybe one day I'll explain that to you. But thank you, Tom. There is so much great content in there. People are saying what they say, it's selling the invisible, which is what we do. You know, we can't, you do all the maintenance on the car, it looks like the same car. So we do sell the invisible, and the author is Harry Beckwith, Beckwith, just a marketing genius. But he spends a lot of time talking about naming a business. And he talks about how 90% of businesses, the name is either poor or awful. And and how you should really spend some time, get a book on it, uh, and really learn how to name a business. And because a name has so much potential, in your marketing and what you do and getting it named right can make a massive difference in how successful you are 
And a lot of us, we really don't realize that and we don't take advantage of the potential. We started out with a name that wasn't very good and we renamed it and we branded it and logoed it and all that. And we spent, all, we, we spent uh, uh, my wife and I probably have 10 to 12 hours in picking the font for our logo. And, and how in-depth we got into that. And that, that came from starting with that Harry Beckwith and, and how to name it and name it right. So don't overlook that. Put that somewhere in your important file. Thank you so much for bringing that up. You're, you're so right. And I think uh, just a fitting end. But uh, I'm going to start a place. Uh, Tom, let's just stay right with you. Um, give, me, give, me the, give me the two-minute drill. Oh, that's the five points that, I, uh, that we kind of covered. Uh, we just mentioned the name. We got to have a fantastic location. Uh, one thing that we did skip over is the hub, the centerpiece out of the whole shop runs, the most important piece of equipment in the entire shop, and that is the management software. And a lot of people see that as a spoke in the wheel, but it's the hub in which all the other spokes are attached to. And you want to go out, study, and pick the software, the management software that is right for you. And, and get get something because that's how everything runs, especially if you do it right. Let me so, sh- let me share uh, with you that Tom is passionate about that, and, he, he, and there's a lot of stuff on AMN with about that. Yeah, we're under we're in the middle right now. We're doing a survey of 80 shop management softwares, and if you go on our site and on Facebook, our Facebook page, and so on, you'll see about 30 percent of those have already been turned in, and we have results already from. From, from unknown ones and, and from, from the big boys, too, and it's still ongoing. If, if you don't see your uh, results there, please encourage your software to do that. Uh, software, uh, we talked about the finance, um, and we talked about uh, peer group coach management. So those five things, uh, if, if you're on those five, you build a strong foundation where you can launch, and at least you'll be, uh, you'll be going along. You're not going to go broke right out of the way if you get those fairly straight off Bambi, I'm going to start a place. What should I worry about? To me, it's three things. Uh, start with your why. You got to know why you're doing this because that's going to, your why is going to determine how you inspire customers to come back, how you inspire your employees as you grow, how your business operates from the ground up. So the why is number one. Um, the number two is understanding what's coming in and what's going out. So having a clear, pro- we, we're in transactional day-to-day. I've got cash coming in and you can feel like you're okay when you're not. So your number two is really diving in and understanding early on. Take a, a community college course on QuickBooks. Do something so that you understand those numbers way before two or three years in because you can get shut down by the IRS. You can get shut down by not paying your sales tax. You can get shut down by not paying your employment tax. There's so much you don't know what you don't know. So understand what's coming in and what's going out. And then your number three is training because you don't know what you don't know. You need to train on the business side and you need to keep your technical side together too. Thanks. Great advice. Sure. Appreciate you being here. Rick. The first thing I would say, you're going to say to me, what should I worry about? And I'm going to say, that's the wrong question. What should you be excited about? Right? Because I got to focus on the positive and the potential, right? I got to know where I'm going. I got to know why I'm going there. I have to know what I'm willing to give up and I have to plan. And I have a thing I call 3D planning, right? You got to plan for the destination. You got to plan for detours and you got to plan for disasters, right? But once you have a plan, now you just work every day at growing your business, knowing those little things you got to do 
that are going to make your shop successful. Success and failure don't happen in one day. They happen a day at a time. Okay. So just focus on, have the energy to do the work and you're going to be amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I have faith in you, but I'm energized, baby. Peter, take us home. So I think it starts with vision, right? You have to have a vision of what you want your company to be and where you want your company to grow into. Um, and then you got to back that up with goals. You got to write down goals for the company, goals for yourself. You got to make sure that the goals of your company are not contrary to your personal goals, because if they are, you got a problem to figure out. Um, I think you need to make sure that you're prepared for hitting the wall. You know, save as much money as you can. Don't, don't take on debt that doesn't make sense. Uh, try to be as debt-free as possible. I think it's a, a very important key to being successful. Um, the, probably the number one thing that cemented my success early on as a technician and then as a shop owner was having a really good inspection philosophy on every car that came through. We look every car over really, really thoroughly. We don't miss a single thing on any car that comes through. Um, I think that helped us create a reputation of, you know, we have customers that use other shops during the year to get their oil changes and stuff done. And then they drop their car off once a year to me and say, Pete, look, I got 3,500 bucks. I need you to just go over the car top to bottom and take care of whatever it needs because I've just been getting oil changes done elsewhere. Um, so having a really good inspection process, a written inspection process is important. Putting your goals on paper, I think is really important. Um, if your goals aren't written down, they're not true because if you try to keep them in your head, you're going to lie to yourself. You're going to go, well, yeah, I, I kind of meant this when it's not. You know, put your goals on paper, review them regularly, adjust them as you need to, and that's fine. But have them written down and, uh, and, and then give back when you're able to. I think, I think that's really the keys to being successful and have fun, man. I'm, I'm in year 19, and I still am excited to go to work every day. So, You're a child. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just a baby. <laughs> Tom, how many years you been at it? Oh, uh, we started pumping gas in 69. All right, that's just a few. You win. You win. <laughs> hey, listen, thank you all for being here. Bambi Crozier, Peter Rudloff, Tom Hamm, and Rick White. Great, great. First moves when opening a new shop, and we went beyond that. So as we always do with these academies, man, they're just these are great, perfect little audio textbooks for, for anyone. So uh, thank you all. Have a great weekend. Fun hanging with you guys. Take Thanks care. Thanks for the invite. Enjoyed it. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.